Welcome back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Welcome back to Land of the Living. I'm Grace. And I'm Naya. And also, we kind of wanted to put, like, music in at the beginning, but I feel like, I don't know. Like, there's, like, no free songs, so... Well, I don't think we... We can't really just find a good one that we like. Yeah, no, like, all the songs are kind of weird or cringy or just, like... So, if you guys are thinking, why is there no intro song? We'll start singing. (laughs) We're working on it. If y'all have any, like, good songs or something, let us know. Royalty That are free. free, That are free. (laughs) That cost us zero dollars. Okay, anyways. So, in this episode, we're going to be tackling the question, is there evidence the Bible is true? I think sometimes people think... You know, you're Christian and you just have blind faith and people are like, I want cold, hard facts. I want evidence, which is fair. I mean, you don't want to just believe in something like without having any reason for believing in it. So we just want to let you know right off the bat, though, that this is going to be a high level overview because for the sake of time, we can't get like into all the nitty gritty details, but we have four main points that we're going to go over, like four different categories. And then at the end, we'll provide a list of different resources that we use to compile this information so that you can see where our sources are from and that you can also um, look into them for some further research. We're getting started with point number one. Let's go, Naya. So for point number one, we have internal consistency of the Bible. So, the Bible contains 66 books written by over 40 different authors in three different languages over the course of 1,500 years, and together they paint a picture of one consistent story. Point number two, manuscript reliability, which that sounds like a bunch of mumbo-jumbo words. We just said we're going to keep it simple, and now we're saying manuscript reliability. We're trying to impress you guys with our vocabulary selection, so we hope you appreciate it. No, okay, so <laughs> we that's actually just like what somebody else titled it, so we just went with it. But okay, so explanation for point number two. So we base our knowledge of world history, and I when I say we, I mean like mankind. Like, we base our knowledge of world history on writings where we have a handful of manuscripts, sometimes a few hundred, but we have over 5,000 full or partial manuscripts of the New Testament, which, if you guys don't have background in it, the New, Tes- the New Testament is a part of the Bible, and it's the part that talks about Jesus coming in his life and his ministry on earth. And so we have over 5,000 full or partial manuscripts of this, and more manuscripts are found pretty frequently, none of which have ever resulted in a major revision, making the Bible by far one of the most reliably attested writings in history. And this also goes along with the point that Naya just brought up about internal consistency of the fact that these manuscripts are also consistent with each other. Yeah, so kind of adding on to that, the first written account about Jesus, which is the Gospel of Mark, can be dated to at least 70 AD, and Jesus died in 30 AD, which that creates about a 40-year difference after Jesus' death. This is still within the lifetimes of people who were eyewitnesses of Jesus, So, if any information was incorrect, they would have been able to correct any false teachings. And to put this into perspective, the earliest biographies of Alexander the Great were more than 400 years after he died, yet these documents are often trusted by historians. Point number three. (laughs) Sorry, I'm like trying to make it sound interesting. (laughs) 
Okay, the point. transitions are really good, I think. I mean, if you're us, like, think how are you supposed to, like, segue in? This brings me back to when we did, like, morning announcements in middle school. Do you remember? I never did those, but Grace was, she always did that. Yeah, I thought it was fun, honestly. <laughs> okay, back to business. Okay, point number three, historical accuracy. So there's both Christian and non-Christian sources outside of the Bible that date very closely to the time of Jesus, and they support the accuracy of the Bible. So there's at least about six Christian sources and six non-Christian sources outside of the Bible. And to name a couple of the Christian sources, there's Clement, Polycarp, Irenaeus, and then a couple other ones. And then for non-Christian sources, there's Tacitus, Josephus, Thales, Pliny, Pliny, Pliny. I don't know how you say that. Um, the Talmud. There's a bunch of different sources, and so these all attest to um giving us evidence for the Bible. And then also, you can get a whole picture of Jesus. Well, maybe I shouldn't say whole. You can get a pretty big picture of Jesus using sources outside of the Bible. And there's actually some researchers compiled twelve specific facts that you can get just using sources outside of the Bible. And from these sources, we can tell a couple of facts such as Jesus lived during the time of Caesar. So that gives us a historical date for him. Jesus was crucified under a guy named Pilate. So that attests to the fact that Jesus was crucified, that Jesus was claimed to be the savior of the world. Just all these different things. And there's a bunch more, but for the sake of time, we'll just keep it to some of those basic facts. Yeah, and many sites described in the Bible have been discovered which helps establish the accuracy of historical details in the Bible. And some notable examples include the Hittites, handwritings during the time of Moses, and Sodom and Gomorrah. There are few, if any, archaeological findings that contradict the Bible, but many archaeological findings actually support it. The Bible has been accused of being wrong many times, but the archaeologists uncover new information actually shows the findings were in alignment with the Bible the whole time. Yeah, and an example of what Nye is talking about can actually be seen in the Bible. There's an author named Luke, and in one of the books of the Bible, he says that there's a census that happened, and he says that there's a certain guy that was ruling at that time. Well, archaeologists found information where they found that this guy had ruled after the time that Luke had said so, and they also found they couldn't have found any evidence about if there were censuses happening at this point in time. And so they were like, okay, well, the Bible must be wrong because there's no evidence to support this. In fact, it seems like the evidence doesn't support it. Well, then we actually discovered that the guy that Luke was referring to had ruled twice. So the reign that the archaeologists had found at the beginning was not the one that Luke was referring to because they ended up finding out that that guy had ruled twice. And so They also found out that censuses were popular during this time. So the evidence that seemed like it went against the Bible was actually ended up going in alignment with the Bible. And it was just that the archaeologists had limited or misinterpreted findings at that point in time with the given information that they had. And our final point is eyewitness testimony. Okay, yes. So in the Bible, there are a lot of times in the New Testament where the authors are writing to specific people or specific churches. And so at the in these letters, they'll actually say, hey, go and talk to these witness, eyewitnesses that saw these things happen and saw these events take place regarding Jesus and like go verify for yourself if what we're saying is true. So 
they wouldn't put that in there because like these letters that were sent, like these were actually sent to these people and they received them. So if they didn't actually have eyewitnesses, then they wouldn't have attested to the fact that all these different people could tell them the information and that and encourage them to go check out and see if what they were claiming was true. Also for eyewitness testimony, there's this principle called criteria of embarrassment, which is where people share information that doesn't make them look good. And for example, the Gospels, which are stories about Jesus, are full of self-damaging material. For example, a woman is said to be the first person to discover that Jesus' tomb was empty. And this could only damage the testimony of early Christians because women in the first century Jewish culture were regarded as lesser than. And in this time era, women were not even allowed to testify in court. So if the Gospel writers wanted to ensure that the account of Jesus was seen as true, they would have lied and said that a man was the first person to discover Jesus' empty tomb, but they didn't. And the disciples themselves, are, who, are, who are followers of Christ, are consistently portrayed in a bad light. Yeah, and so one example of what Naya is talking about of the disciples who, like she said, are followers of Jesus at that time, um, an example of them being portrayed in a bad light can be seen where a guy named Simon Peter, who was a faithful disciple and follower of Christ, he actually ends up denying knowing Jesus three times, even though he had been faithfully following him um, all before that. And so if you were a follower of Jesus, you probably wouldn't want to tell people that you literally denied Jesus in front of other people multiple times. But the, the people include this information, which helps to add to the trustworthiness, because why would you want like think about in your own life? Like, when have you ever wanted to share information that makes you look bad? It's even like when you go on a first date, like you're only going to share the information that makes you look good. And so if you had a motive to lie, you wouldn't want to make yourself look bad. And then also going along with the motivation part, what motive would the writers have to lie? Like, what did they possibly have to gain? They only gained persecution and death for testifying as they did. So in other words, they honestly, the authors honestly had every motive to deny what happened to Jesus, not to invent or exaggerate these events. And it wasn't as if they needed a new religion in this time either. When Jesus had arrived, most of the people that wrote the Bible were devout Jews who thought that Judaism was the only true religion and they thought that they were God's, God's chosen people. So something dramatic must have really happened to jolt them into an entirely new belief system that essentially only promised, well not only, but essentially promised them trouble on earth. Alright, and to wrap things up, We'll be putting our list of resources in the description again, and we just wanted to end with the question of what is holding you back from pursuing God? You know, you might not believe in God at all, and you might think that when we die, the lights just go out, and it's just what's here on earth. So I would just encourage you to why not just say out loud, hey, God, you know, I don't believe in you. I don't know that you exist, but if you do, like, please show me. If you do, like, I want to see what it's like to have a relationship with you. Just saying something along the lines of that because you might think, oh, that's so silly. Like, why would I do that if I don't believe in God? But here's the thing. Like, if you were to do that, you literally, the only options are that you lose nothing or gain everything. Like, either way, like, you know what I mean? Like, you have nothing to lose from saying that and only to gain. So I would just encourage you that even if you don't currently believe in God to just say that and just kind of see what happens. We thank you all for listening. Our next episode will be, Is There Evidence for Jesus' Resurrection?